Welcome back, everybody, to the Firm Foundation podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these. This week, we are going to talk about a something I hold very uh, close to my heart, uh, community. Um, what the Bible says about community, how to find a healthy community, and how to be just a good, positive role in a community. Um, today, I am joined by uh, the community's group leader at Rock Point, um, Jared Grieber. Yeah, um, Jared Greeby. <laughs> but it's great to be here with you, Carson. I'm excited. This is an awesome topic and something um, I'm very passionate about as well. Yeah, awesome. This is this is a topic that I think isn't talked about too, too much, and it should be talked about more. Yes. We, we oftentimes kind of go into church on Sundays and talk about the gospel, and then that's pretty much, and go live our life, and that's about it. Um, but we don't actually dive into community and it's, it's a tool that God gives us to utilize. So Jared, do you want to share a little bit just about your story, about your testimony, how you came to faith? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in, uh, in a religious home, um, really experiencing religiosity, never really encountering Jesus for myself, never really having a relationship with God, but I knew the words and I, I, I knew the word of God, but I didn't know the God of the word. Yeah. Um, so I really experienced religion. And by the time I was about 18 years old, I rejected Christianity, not realizing that I was really rejecting religiosity. Um, but to me, there was no distinction between the two as far as I knew yeah. um, at the time. And so... I was not atheist, but I was definitely more agnostic because at that point, I still believed that there was probably some type of higher power, higher being. Um, And I had personal reasons for that, but I didn't really believe it was anything personal or anything that I should pursue. Um, But that was more where I was at at the time. And so I had moved away to college to go live in San Diego, which was beautiful. Um, but dude, you know, I really listened to the wisdom of this world and went and lived for that. And after, you know, and I'm going to try and make this really short cause this is a long testimony. But, um, when I moved out there to college, I leaned into what the world tells you is valuable, what the world tells you to pursue, which is basically seek for yourself. Um, so that's a fun philosophy to live. Um, yeah, I, I went and moved out there. I was surfing all the time. I, I had, I had it made, man. My parents did really well for themselves. So they were paying for my school. Um, and I was going down to the beach every day, surfing, had my hair grown out, was just hitting on girls. I was a total D bag. (laughs) And, um, at the time I didn't know it, but I was living it up and, I just remember having this kind of moment where I was back at my apartment one night and um, at the time, just where I was in life, I actually had just smoked um, a bunch of marijuana, which that's just where I was at. Um, And so I, you know, part of it maybe was I was thinking deeply because I'm already a deep thinker, but I had just smoked all this marijuana. And I remember sitting in my apartment And just kind of having this moment where I felt like God, for the first time in my life, I was paying attention enough, um, even in my sin, even fallen, where God's grace reached out to me and and kind of challenged me 
in a way that, you know, it's hard to explain because it's not like I heard an audible voice, but almost this intuitive feeling. And it reminded me um, how empty all these things are. Um, Because all of a sudden I just felt scared because I, I thought to myself, man, I'm living in this dream place, postcard city. I've got beautiful women all around me. I've got it made. I get to go to, you know, longboard to my college. I'm surfing every day. I have everything this world says will satisfy me. Yeah. And I'm empty. And that really struck a chord with me and made me think, well, if this isn't enough, then what is? And it really put me on this journey of trying to figure out what am I doing here? <laughs> like, why am I conscious? Why do I wake up every day? Um, and so at the time, I didn't really see that as God, but more just an inner reflective consciousness, higher state of, con- you know, I didn't know what was happening. As a matter of fact, I did start getting anxiety for the first time in my life as I was thinking about all these things. Um, and so it really turned me um, on this journey to find what is truth, like what is the, the the meaning of life and what is objective truth. And so I really at first thought science was going to give me those answers. And as I signed up for every science class I could <laughs> trying to gain knowledge, um, one of the first moments where I started realizing, man, I don't think these people are as sure of what they are teaching um, as they pretend to be. And that all started with the first law of science, the second law of thermodynamics. Um, we get the theory something cannot come from nothing from that law. Yet that's the very foundation of evolution and what they were teaching at the time. I'm 36 years old, so I don't know what they're teaching now, but that's what they were teaching then. Nobody knows what they're teaching now. Yeah, they keep changing it. Um, but ultimately, that's where we get the theory something cannot come from nothing. And yet that's the foundation of evolution is that there was nothingness and then boom, everything just exploded and came into being. And so I would ask my professor, hey, wait a minute, the very foundation of what you're teaching me breaks the very first law of science. <laughs> like, this, what? So that's when I really started to seek outside of just science because I realized um, there was inconsistencies. And so as I pursued more of those truths, I started to realize that it made more sense by science's own definition that something not bound by space and time created space and time. Something infinite created the finite universe that you and I can measure and observe. Um, And that's the problem is most people can't wrap their head around the fact that they can't fit God into our finite universe. We can't measure him. He's infinite. And so... That can be hard for some people, but for me, just looking for objective truth, I started to realize, okay, there, there has to be a God. And then beyond that, just creationism in general just made more sense to me. I mean, the human anatomy is so incredibly complex and intelligent design is just so abundantly obvious to me. Um, you wouldn't stumble upon a vehicle and say, oh, just explosions and the slimes of Texas and all these crazy things molded together. And wouldn't you believe just this perfect metal started shaping and then the tire, the tread just started to work. And then you just behold this little key that you put in the, that's stupid to think that something chaotic would create something so precise. Now a vehicle is significantly more simple 
than the human anatomy. So to say that same logic for a human, give me a break. Like it's just, it's too obvious to me that we were created where there's intelligent design behind every human body and, and human being. And so I concluded those things. Now the trouble was I I was ready to look anywhere but the Bible. I was ready to look at any philosopher. So you name it, I went into it. I looked at Buddhism. I studied Confucius, um, a lot of Eastern thought and, and influence and philosophy, um, read a lot of the Quran and um, even read parts of the Book of Mormon and different, just different angles and different uh, philosophies and, and what have you. And as I dove through all those different things, more or less, they all say the same thing with the exception of one. And all of them basically teach that it's self-achievement. And this is how we get into this religiosity. If it's based on what we do, this self-achievement, then it's up to me to ascend to God. And what Jesus said was so radically different. We're not good enough. All fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not one. Rather, God was good enough that he descended to us. And that really was a was an aha moment for me, recognizing and realizing how significantly different what Jesus taught from what all these other philosophies teach. And listen, the truth is there's a lot of partial truths in some of these philosophies, which is why people can buy into them. But what I've found is that the enemy will keep you focused on what's good, even something that's good to keep you from what's best. And let me give you an example of that. Confucius said something very similar to Jesus. He said, do not impose on others what you would not want imposed on yourself. Now that sounds very good. Um, And it's close to what Jesus said, but what Jesus said is actually better because Confucius, although that's good advice and someone could base their life off of that, I'm not going to do bad things to others because I don't want them to do that to me. It's still self-seeking. I don't want that done to me so I'm not going to do it to others. It's still self-focused. Whereas what Jesus said, do unto others what you wish they would do for you. That's outward selfless. And see, that's my point is that the enemy will twist the truth ever so slightly just to keep you from ultimately God's purpose and what God's word ultimately says. And so through this long journey, I realized it wasn't through self-achievement, but rather divine accomplishment. And, and what's so beautiful about that is that made the words of Jesus I had heard a thousand times growing up, which never made sense to me until this moment. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for my burden is easy, my yoke is light. I remember thinking as a kid, what is Jesus talking about? His burden sucks. Because right. <laughs> I didn't understand what he was talking about, but he's, he's referring to these people who were under religious oppression, who were being told either jump this high or else, measure up or else. God's not going to accept you. And that's never been the truth. What Jesus was saying was, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, oppressed by religiosity. Um, and, and what he is giving is light because it's simply just believing, having faith in what God's done. It has nothing to do with what we do. We can't add a single thing to what God has already accomplished, but we live in light of that truth. We live inspired and motivated by how good God is, that he would humble himself to human flesh and come pay for the sin that we're guilty of. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a freeing thing. Um, and that's really... 
how I gave my life to Jesus was discovering this truth and finding um, the radical words of Jesus. And that's the other thing is all these other philosophers, I could really poke holes in, in things they would say, I can't touch Jesus. Everything he said is just perfect and it's impossible to pick apart. Yeah. So, yeah. We were, we were just talking to before we started recording about just science proving the Bible over and over. You don't ever see science disprove what the Bible says. You, you only see it prove more and more and more. And as time goes on, we learn more and we prove more. Even archaeologists yeah. prove what the Bible said was true. Absolutely. I mean, we discover all sorts of different things, different places, different yeah. um, events in the Bible. Right. And then where, what are we th- thousands of years later, we're yes. literally discovering exactly what the Bible said. Absolutely. So I, I, I think that's really cool. Yes. That's, that's an awesome, awesome testimony. Um, just the, the journey of self-discovery of it. And not only just, you hear a lot of times people just jump right into the Bible, but I like how you explored all other religions too. And we're able to kind of piece different holes and stuff that didn't kind of line up with those. Right. And I, I think part of it too, is that, you know, God tells us, seek and you will find. And and the truth is I, I had no skin in the game. I'd humbled, God had humbled me, but ultimately I had also humbled myself enough to say, I don't care what truth is or where it comes from. I'm just seeking truth. And I think if you will humble yourself enough to truly objectively take the emotion out of it, and just look and seek God, seek truth, you'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the the journey that you had is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think it's super important to find God. That's that's the first step. But it's not a self-growth that we can just do ourselves and kind of go to church on Sunday and try to try to do our best the rest of the week. There's no Lone Ranger Christian. It was never meant. He never called us to go alone. He called us to go forward together as his church body. And you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I like um, people often say like, well, does the Bible even mention community? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The first book in the Bible, Genesis, talks about it. Um, In Genesis, it says in the seven days that God created the heavens and the earth, Every time he created something, when he created the light, when he created the land, when he created the animals, the sea animals, every single time it says throughout the Bible, it was good after each day. But then he gets to man and he created man and said it was good. And then he puts man in the garden and he sees that man is lonely and needs a companion. And the only time in Genesis where he says it is not good is when he sees man needs a companion. So what does he do? He creates Eve from his rib, fall of the world, you know that whole thing. But I think what's super important, what a lot of people miss is that's the only time in Genesis that it says it is not good. That's right. And for God to look at his creation and say, it is not good because he creates everything perfect. It's just wild to me. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy thought to think about, but in your experience, what, what makes community so important and so integral in integral? Yeah. 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 I think you got it. Integral in the, the growth. Um, spiritually for each person. So if you really break down humanity in general, every human civilization has always been built on the concept of relationship. Now, 
That is because we were created in God's image. God himself is relational within himself. Let us make a man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God within himself is a relational being. So he created us as relational beings. So in the garden with Adam and Eve, what God is really doing when he gives them just paradise. I mean, imagine New Zealand, but like at times a thousand, just this beautiful, amazing um, place with a beautiful naked companion. He, he just gave them every reason. He says, I give you dominion of this. He gave them every reason to trust his word, to trust and grow in a relationship because relationships are founded on trust because we have volition, because we have a choice whether to do good or to do bad. Um, God created us that way. Um, we have to have trust. That's, that's what makes a relationship intimate. And so God is drawing them in. He gives them one condition and says, don't eat of this tree. And what happened? They didn't listen to the word of God. They didn't trust and grow in a relationship, grow in intimacy with God. They rather listened to the lie of the enemy and they listened to what they saw and what they perceived and they fell. And ever since then, sin came into the world and that relationship was broken. Now, praise God, he had a way to deal with it. And it would be through Jesus that that relationship would be restored. But the reason that it's so important for us to have relationship is number one, that is truly what fulfills you in life. It isn't what you do. It isn't what you're going after um, as far as career or things like that. It's who's around you. It's who do you intimately know in your life. Um, and first and foremost, that has to be God. And then secondly, if you're married, your spouse, and then your kids, you know, so on and so forth, the yeah. way God ordained it. But that is why it's so crucial. It is within us. It is, it is so deeply rooted within us. And, and if you think about it, the worst form of human punishment, one of the worst forms, is what? What do they do with the worst of worst criminals? They, they put them in isolation. Why is that so devastating to us? Because it is within our code to have intimacy and relationship with others. God created us that way in his own image. And he desires that not only with us, but he wants us to have that with each other. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's commanded. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that, that can be overlooked. There's a, there's a study done. They, they put 100 introverts and 100 extroverts together and they had them spend time alone and then they had them spend time together and they discovered that 98% of the introverts were happier, more joyful, more excited when they were with people. Yeah. And 100% of the extroverts, obviously, but 98% of the introverts were more joyful, more excited. Then when put in isolation by themselves, a majority of them were not. And I think that's just a testament to kind of like you said, with, when we have um, certain prisoners, we put them in like the isolation blocks, yeah. how we completely remove them from any interaction. And right. that you, you see a lot of times that makes people go cuckoo. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it deters them from poor behavior because they fear that isolation because we were never intended to be isolated. But you know, exactly where the enemy wants you isolated. I also like, I also like um, the visual of Jesus is even if you're out there and you think, I don't really have any friends. I don't really have any people around me. You're never truly alone because there is always one person with you. And that is Jesus. That's right. And as important as it is to have 
physical human people around you to help grow you. Having Jesus is not a, not a bad start. No, that's the, that's, it's gotta be where you start. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I love in first John chapter one, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. You see, I think partly our culture has moved away from community being important just through technology and social media. I mean, you go to a restaurant, all you see is people on their phones. They're not even looking at each other, engaging. They're, they're on social media. They're yeah. in the digital world, right? But partly what I think makes it so hard is with living in intimate relationship with others means vulnerability, means authenticity. And in a culture that doesn't value those things, you know, we're, we're, we're swimming up river to try and do this. It's, it goes against what comes to us naturally. What we naturally do is hide. And that's what it's talking about there, how we're to walk in the light because there's nothing to hide in the light. The light exposes it all. But that's the truth is that because of Jesus, we've been given the freedom to come into the light and, and to, to cast off shame. Because what does the, what does the scripture say? It says he who knew no sin became sin so we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what a beautiful thing that is that we don't have to live shamed by what we've done or what's been done to us, but we have full freedom to be in the light and say, this is who I am and this is what I struggle with. And we need each other to pick each other up because in Galatians chapter six, it talks about that, how we will still struggle in this flesh. We will still struggle with sin, right? But we're to to help each other if we catch each other in sin, that we're supposed to gently and lovingly bring that brother and sister back to the truth. And we're at constant war with not only our flesh in this world and the, and the concepts of this world, but there is an enemy. And don't hear me wrong. He's not omnipresent. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it just means he's not everywhere at once. But a third of the angels fell with him. And we know there's constant spiritual warfare. And so every day you wake up, whether you realize it or not, you are at war. Um, We are at war. Um, As believers, there's constant attack on us. And if we don't have brothers and sisters to walk this life with, to, to link arms with, we don't stand a chance against those temptations because we are weak. What did Paul say? What I want to do, I don't do. But what I do, I don't want to do. So, you know, I look at Paul as one of the great Christians ever, um, followers of Christ, and yet this was a huge struggle for him. So we know we're going to struggle. We know we're going to fall into temptations. And we've got to have people who love Jesus surrounding us to point us back to what we know is right and what we know to be true. Cause we will, we'll wander like sheep. We're, we're prone to wander. Right. So, yeah, I like, I like that. Um, you pointed out even, even Paul, I mean, we think about the amazing things that he did. Even he struggled. Yes. I think community around us helps us carry each other's burdens. Kind of like you quoted Galatians six. And that's (laughs) what I was thinking of too, when you were talking. Yeah. And I think what's super important is in community, we have to, not only carry each other's burdens and lift each other up, but we also have to keep each other accountable. Yes. And I think it's something that oftentimes we don't do because kind of like I talked about last week, the fear of man. And we, we oftentimes don't talk or call out something that needs to be called out because we're afraid, Oh, they're going to be so upset with me because I said this, or they're going to 
just kind of remove me from the group. But I think it's super important to be able to call those stuff out because one, it's coming from a loving place. Yes. But two, it it's going to better you and them as a Christian. And I'm not just saying, go tell them, Hey, you're doing this wrong. All right. Bye. No, say, Hey, I've noticed this. Um, you've been, you, you, you've been claiming that you're a Christian, but every day of the week you're going out to bars and getting hammered and sleeping with multiple women and doing all this stuff. It's not really representing Christ. Like you say you are. Right. And so call that out and say, Hey, I've noticed this, but also say, but I'd love to work on it with you. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to walk with you with that. Um, we can figure out different ways to avoid those temptations, avoid those situations. And I think that's another huge part of community is not just talking to each other about the Bible, but walking with each other through life. Yes, no, absolutely. That's a huge part. And that, that I would say is more the development part. Cause I'm going to kind of hopefully as we, you know, move through some of these um, topics, kind of break down what biblical community is really built on. But what we're talking about is more the development part um, for each individual. And as far as development goes, when you're challenging and rebuking one another, it really is this delicate balance between truth and grace, right? Because a lot of people tend to lean too far to one way or the other. And Jesus is the perfect example of truth and grace perfectly reconciled, where he never shied away from the truth. He was always honest, but it was always seasoned with grace and humility. And so that's what we have to do in those situations is we don't come at someone who's struggling with life choices like that and just beat them over the head with the truth that, man, what you're doing is wrong and inconsistent and you suck. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're being honest. Hey, I've noticed that like these are things you're struggling with, but based on what we what we both have claimed to believe, that's inconsistent. But I want you to know I, I struggle too. Like I have my own issues and my own struggles. So I'm not coming at I'm I'm shoulder to shoulder with you. And because I love you and because I know God loves you, he has so much better for you than what you're seeking satisfaction in. What he gives will truly satisfy. He will give you water where you will never thirst again. And so kind of always having that perfect balance, because the truth is a lot of times we either lean too far where we're all truth and there's no grace. And then you're just a jerkwad. You're just beating them over the head with truth. But if you're all grace and no truth, well, that's not loving either because true love is honest. And so it's got to be both. It's got to be truth, but it's got to be seasoned with grace and humility always. And so it's a great thing to bring up for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think. We, we, we kind of hit the nail on the head with what community is. Mm-hmm. I think a big struggle, especially for young adults, is finding a community. Finding not just a community, because it's easy to find a community in college and stuff like that, but finding a healthy community that's going to push you to be a better Christian, to be a better follower of Christ, but also that you can help push people to be a better follower of Christ. And so what what are some things that you would say make a healthy and strong community what what would you look for if you're if you're going out and you're looking for a community of believers to help grow you and you help grow them what are you looking for what are some key points and stuff um we're always looking for not just relationship but a relationship in the context of a mission so what i've seen happen in churches a lot is people will get into and i'm using my hands to put quotes, small groups 
what they're really getting into is just social circle circles where there's really no mission. It's just, Hey, let's get together. Let's small talk. Let's watch the football game. Let's just do casual stuff. There's no mission. Biblical community is a relationship in the context of a mission. We're getting together, not to just get together and have relationship, but to grow on this mission and our relationship with Christ. And so there's four things to look for in true biblical community, and that's to people who are truly being known. And that means authentic, vulnerable testimony. You see all three of those elements in, in this aspect of being known. Um, you see people being vulnerable. They're being real about where they're at, who they are, and where they're at with their walk with Jesus. They're being authentic about their struggles in their life and and they're not putting on some mask or facade and pretending that everything's just social media perfect. Um, and then ultimately that they're willing to share their story and, you know, how they got to where they are now. Um, and then the second thing is to be accepted. Now, this one gets tricky because there's healing power and acceptance, right? But the world uses a lot of this, this one. The world will accept you, but they really don't care about you. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll accept what you say, what you believe, but we really don't care about what you're struggling with or what kind of mental health you have. We're just going to accept you and put a Band-Aid over it and not worry about getting to the other parts. And again, the world does the acceptance part well, and they do the support part well. Um, and that's the fun part of biblical community, acceptance and support. So we've got known, accepted, supported, and finally developed, which is the one that we kind of hit on a little bit. And the way that Pastor Bill, and I love this um, from our church, the way he kind of calls these four elements of, of biblical community, as he says, it's kind of like an Oreo cookie. The inside part is real fun and gushy. And that's, you know, that's what kids want, right? They don't care about the out bitter cracker part. They just want that sugary good stuff in the middle. Well, that's what the world wants too. They just want the acceptance and support, but they don't really want to be known. They don't really want to get vulnerable or authentic or, or do those things. That's hard. It's hard for people to do that. And um, mostly that's because of shame. Mostly that's because we're afraid of really letting people in and really letting people see who we are and what we struggle with because we think, well, what if they reject me? And it really, when you break it down, doesn't come to trusting people. It's more, are you trusting, are you willing enough to trust God that by living this way, he's going to bless you for it? So don't worry about what people do with what you share with them. That's between them and God. Um, and we have to trust God with that. But the known part is the outer, uh, not as fun part of the cookie. The acceptance, support, those are the more inside fun parts that even the world has some form of, but it's not a healthy form. And then development, that's the other hard part, right? Because that's when we're challenging each other. And that's people are pokey. And challenging isn't always easy. And the way that I say it, as Christians, on this side of heaven, we will never be sinless. But as we grow in maturity in Christ, we should begin to sin less little fun play on words pastor little, for you. <laughs> little play on words. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I always go back to the example in Acts chapter two of the church, the early church Yeah, and how we look at that and we think that's like really weird how they lived their life. And I mean, they shared everything. They broke bread every single day. They, they discipled with each other and it says, I mean, it flourished. It, it grew in numbers day by day. It doubled. It flipped the world at its time upside down from Absolutely. what culture and I think, was. I think oftentimes in the church that we have nowadays, we look at that and we're like, oh, that would be awesome, but that'll never happen. And 
I think it starts with us and our little communities. I, I heard a um, pastor talk about how you can't come on Sundays and sit in rows and look at a stage and look at some of the back of somebody's head and grow in relation and community. Cause there's only so much personal growth you can do, right? Real growth is done in circles, which is small groups, life groups, community groups, whatever, whatever you call biblical them. community, whatever that Ex- looks like. Exactly. And those are done in circles. Yes. And, and I kind of like how you pointed out. Sometimes we just do it. We just go watch the football game. We just go do a potluck kind of thing. And I don't, those are great. And those are great and awesome to join in fellowship, but to actually grow, you have to dive into the Bible and you have to dive into what each other, each person is struggling with. Yeah. And it's not to negate those things. Those things are good. Of course, that should be an aspect of your community. You can talk about casual things. You can talk about the football game, but if that's all it is, you're not in biblical community. It's got to go deeper than that. And it's got to be, like we said, that relationship in the context of a mission. It can't just be. And, and, and this is something I tend to see happen even within church circles where they get a lot of these elements down, but then they leave one out. And you have to have every all four of those aspects to truly be walking in biblical community. Because what some groups do is they will be vulnerable. They'll be authentic. They'll talk about things that are hard. And, and they'll accept each other. They'll support each other. But then we get to that development part. And a lot of people don't want to. It says that we are to, um, as iron sharpens iron. That's not a pleasant thing if you've ever seen that. Yeah. It causes sparks. There's friction. It, it doesn't sound pretty. And that's this development aspect is it's not comfortable. It actually, our tendency is typically to shy away from confrontation But when we do it the way Jesus did it, when we model it after him, where it's this perfect reconciliation of truth and grace, that we don't come at them judging them, but rather coming to them shoulder to shoulder to say, hey, you know, I I see this and I see that you're struggling with this, but let me share with you what my, it's it's reciprocated, right? I struggle too. I'm I'm not coming at you and looking down at you. I'm side by side with you as we move forward together towards Jesus. And so I think that's just got to be the mentality, because if it ever is not that, that's when you start to get into trouble. And that's when groups start breaking up and going their separate ways because they're offended or hurt or felt judged or whatever the case may be. And uh, and the other part, the other aspect of groups is sometimes they do the other side of it where they they're not vulnerable. And so who cares about people accepting some facade of you? Who cares about somebody supporting some facade or even developing some fake version of you? Because the truth is without really being known, without having that deep, intimate trust and relationships with people, um, none of those other aspects matter. So you've got to have all four for it to truly be biblical community. And again, the social aspect of this takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Um, you know, you got to be patient and, and get to know each other, kind of build that foundation of trust. And so, you know, don't hear what we're not saying. It's not like you should just go find a group of people right now and just spill your guts to them. Now, if God's leading you to do that, please do. But I'm saying like, sometimes I think we just get so radical in our thinking. We're like, oh, I've got to go do this right now. This is something that does take time. It takes effort, just like a marriage. It's very similar. These are people you're choosing to link arms with and do life with. And, um, you know, Jesus picked 12 as his inner circle. There were more people than that following him. But he said, these are my guys. And this is going to be my inner circle. And so I think it's okay for us to do the same thing. Um, and that's another thing, too, just to get into about groups is I think 
groups can absolutely be a mission field. But I think sometimes we make everything the mission field when sometimes there's a purpose for something beyond just evangelism. The purpose of a small circle, an inner circle of people is to keep each other accountable, to have that kind of relationship. And so if it does evangelize, great if people observe that, but don't feel like you have to make your group an evangelism ministry. Um, it's more about self-development. That's what we have evangelists in church for, is to bring the gospel to people. Uh, a home group is more about growth. Now, again, I, I don't want to set the world on fire and people mishear what I'm saying. Of course, a small group can be evangelistic, but it doesn't have to be. It can be more just exact and, and more focused on individual growth within that group. Um, and if they choose to evangelize, praise God. Yeah. But I think that those are important things people need to hear. Another thing you had said was the importance uh, of not just coming, because the truth is faith come, faith grows and faith comes by hearing, right? So we grow in our faith by coming to church and to hearing God's word taught, but there's no dialogue. You're just looking, like you said, at the back of someone's head. So all you're doing is self-reflection. You're not dialoguing with anybody about God's word. So maybe your faith is growing, but you're not growing and maturing as an individual in Christ by doing that. And that's where I think people get confused and miss how important this aspect is. And it's ultimately one of the huge and most defining parts of the Great Commission, because he says in that commission, not just going out preaching the gospel and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, making disciples. And discipleship does not happen in a row. It is 1 million percent in a circle, like you said, and that is in community, biblical community, and we've got to be discipled. And that's something I personally feel like the church, and I mean Big C Church, has totally missed the mark on over the past 10 to 15 years, is we've gotten so focused on the, and, and the gospel is great. Of course, we want people coming to churches and sitting in rows and coming to the knowledge of Christ and accepting Jesus. That's amazing. But it's been so hyper-focused to the detriment and the lack of priority in growing them in that decision. And so we do a great job of, of getting people to the altar and accepting Christ. But I think the church has struggled to help those people really actually grow in Christ by promoting and supporting and really casting vision of community. And we're seeing that change, praise God, where I'm at. Man, there's so much energy and so much excitement about getting people into community. And, and Bill knows, um, Pastor Bill, this has been a huge vision of his and, and has been in, in his heart um, since the time he started Rock Point Church. But again, you know, sometimes we just wander. Sometimes we get away from, from what really matters. And so that's why they brought me in a little bit over a year ago was because I had this heart and this desire and this vision. And so we aligned in that. And that's what brought me to Rock Point. And we've been just so excited to, to see the growth in that in our church. And, and so it's been rad. Yeah. Yeah. Church, it, it's a great place. And it's oftentimes like we also think about, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sit, I'm going to watch and I'm going to read my Bible and then I'm going to leave. And we don't talk about the fellowship afterward. You don't go in, out of your way to meet somebody. and. It's something that I've definitely been, um, what's the word, convicted of recently. And I, I feel like I've done a really poor job of just kind of keeping to myself, keeping to my small little group of friends, and then leaving. And I think going out 
and talking to other people, inviting them to certain things, that kind of thing. Sometimes people are too afraid to ask. People are, people will see you with a group of friends and they're too afraid to say, hey, can I come join? So you know what you do? You go and you seek them out and you say, hey, what's your name? Cool. You want to come uh, hang out with us at wherever after church or you know what I mean? And so I think I think another big issue is I kind of talked about the the accountability and how a lot of times we get into this mindset of almost being an affirming Christian and affirming, hey, listen, like, I don't want to step on your toes. So if that's what you want to say, if that's what you want to believe, I believe it too. That's your truth. And I think that your truth is a very slippery, slippery slope, slope because there, there's one truth and it's truth what the Bible is, says. Yeah. And it's not... It's not subjective. Exactly. And I can't pick and choose out of the Bible what I want to do, what I don't want to do, what I want to believe, what I don't want to believe. As hard as it is sometimes, if I believe that Christ came down, if I believe one thing in the Bible, that Christ came down, lived a, per- or lived a perfect life, was crucified three days later, rose from the grave for all my sins. If I believe that, then everything else in the Bible has to be true. And I don't get to kind of bend it, pick and choose what I want out of it and what, what I want to listen to, what I want to live out. And I think that's something super important with community. And I've had certain times in my life where I've done a horrible job at this, keeping people accountable and helping people grow. And then there's also times in recent that I've, I think we've done a great job. Um, not just me, but a group of us have really gone out and we talk about, Hey, like, this isn't really, I don't think what God wants for your life. Like you're not living what the Bible says, that kind of thing. And so I think that's super important, but that, that kind of goes along with our, our final question. But what, what is something in a way that you can be a positive and integral, helpful part of a community? Like as an individual, what is something that you can do or act upon or whatever it is to help the community? Well, I think as Christians... We need to start leading in this. We need to start leading because the truth is, even if you, a lot of people think, well, I can't do that. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the understanding to, to, to start a biblical community. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to be a counselor. You're seriously, all you are is a facilitator. You're just facilitating the conversation to, to, to make sure it remains pointed towards growth in Jesus. That's all you're doing. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to impress anybody. It's just, it's those simple things. Hey, let's just be real about who we are, honest about where we're at. And let's talk about Jesus and let's look at Jesus and let's see how we can live our lives like Jesus. And so I think some people just are, they they feel afraid because they don't know that they could find that with people. But if you can't find that with people, start a group, start inviting your friends and then lead in that. Lead in the authenticity, lead in the vulnerability, because people naturally follow a leader. That's the way God ordained it, right? So when someone starts living this way, other people catch on. They see the benefit. They see the value. They see, man, this person's, and we can't help it, but feel the fulfillment and intimacy and relationship. When that starts to happen, it's just like seeing the gospel for the first time. You can't unsee it. You can't unfeel it. It just starts to become something you have to have. And then you realize, how did I ever live without this? Because the truth is, most of us are isolated. Most of us are miserable, even if we're not aware of it or not even admitting it. 
Um, and again, a, a small group changed my life. And I genuinely believe, this is why I'm so passionate about this for people, I would not be sitting here. I would not still be walking with Jesus potentially in, in my mind. I can't say that for sure. But I feel like because I did this, because I got a group of guys around me to link arms with and to do this life with and to keep me accountable, to love me when I needed it, to pick me up when I was down, um, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be where I am. And so it's a crucial part of our Christian faith. It's a crucial part of our discipleship of what Jesus has commanded us to do. And without it, you're going to be really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very kind of, kind of to wrap it up a little bit, but it's a very important thing to make sure that you find a community around you that will push you toward Christ and help you flee from sin because oftentimes we like, oh yeah, I have a community. And then you look at what is the community you have around you and they're not pushing you toward Christ or they're not even Christians. Yeah. And it, it not only you, you stumble with your sin, but then you also struggle with trying to combat that sin. And then with other sin, you get put in situations that you're not meant to be in. And so I think finding that biblical community that you can kind of do life with is super important. And I don't think if, if you listen to this, I don't think you just run out right now and go right. put, on, put on like Instagram. Yeah. Hey, I need a community no, around me. Have some tact. But yeah. Have some tact. It's, it's a very, it's an important thing and it's a very intricate and serious thing that you should not take lightly and just jump in the first thing that you find. Yes. And that's something I think we have to trust God with also that like, like you said, you don't need to just be so fired up to go. I've got to go find community today. Start praying about it. Pray for God to open your eyes. So often we just live in our flesh and we don't walk in the spirit. We don't, we're not constantly seeking him in all our ways because right. Acknowledge God and in, in all your ways and he will make your path straight. So again, trust God with this. He's speaking to you today. He's speaking to you through this podcast. This isn't Carson or myself. This is God reaching out to you as individuals to say, I care about you. I see you. And not only do I want you to have a relationship with me as your God, as your Abba father, but I want you to have deep, intimate relationships with those around you, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we just want to encourage you. Um, don't overwhelm yourself. If you don't have this in your life right now, just seek God. He will open those doors. He will bring those right people. If you're truly pursuing him, I promise he's faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Trust God. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I want to thank you for yeah. hopping on this episode on community. Absolutely. It's it's something I'm very passionate about and I can definitely tell you as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's super, it's super important. So I, I hope to be back sometime, man. I love it. It's been Absolutely. fun. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening this week. We will be back next week with an episode on scripture and how important the Bible is and if we can actually believe it. So hope you guys have a great week and thank you again for listening.